So I know on occasion I try to let you know how my very odd brain works. I made two observations this morning. Um, one is it is interesting to me, and my wife is actually who pointed out last time we were uh, joining via live stream, but um, it is, it's a little different today, but we've noticed that when we're at home watching on live stream, we see that there are almost no people here. And, but it's usually because the camera only sees like right there. And, and Lynn goes, well, I think it's because everyone spent so much time watching online that they know that if they sit there, people see them. You're brilliant. You are brilliant people. Never would have crossed my mind because I always just go to the front row, uh, mainly because I can't pay attention if I don't. Uh, other observation is this. Uh, there's the, I call it the table of wisdom um, back here over uh, in the commons area over by the mailboxes. There's some uh, elderly gentlemen that sit there. There's the row of wisdom right over here uh, with some ladies. Um, but a couple of guys back there always call me young man. And Marv, when he walked up to, 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 to sing, he said, he said, how you doing, young man? And I'm like, it just occurred to me, this is strange, I know, but there was a time when someone said, if they said to you, young man, it was kind of derogatory. It's like, listen, kiddo. Right. And now it's kind of a compliment. What, what age does that happen where it goes from being, hey, kiddo, to, wow, you're kind of spry. I don't know. Uh, you are my elder indeed. A uh, couple other things. Those of you joining us online, thank you for, for, for being faithful in trying to stay connected with church, um, whether it's if we're your local church or whether it's somewhere else. Uh, I am no scientist. I'm not going to pretend to know everything that's going on. But I will say that the people that I follow uh, online talking about this pandemic, um, it looks like the U.S. has peaked with Omicron. Now, there's a BA2 variant. That look, that's even more contagious, that will be the most contagious airborne contagion in human history, uh, Omicron version two. But, so we might see a little spike, but then it's supposed to over the next two to three weeks. So fed, after February, it looks like we might have our world back. And yeah, and uh, one, one, I wanna give God some credit. I've, I've watched the maps, and I don't mean maps of the world, I mean maps of these variants. Omicron appeared out of nowhere. They really don't know where it came from. It didn't branch off of any of the others. It started with the first one and then doesn't show up for almost two years, and then boom. It seems to me that Omicron is, I'm hoping, that Omicron is going to be the vaccine that no person ever came up with, but God did. I'm not saying that it's, a, it's good that, we, that there's this disease. Pastor Kurt has it right now, we're pretty sure. He, he'll test, on, test later today, but... Um, the reason I'm saying all that is this has been a really weird time to be a pastor. It's been a really weird time to be an educator. It's been a really weird time to be a chiropractor, a doctor, a nurse, or any other healthcare. It's been a weird time for all of us, not knowing who you can talk to and who you can't, not knowing how to, whether to reach your hand out and shake or to fist bump or to one of those. Um, but God's not done with us, and he's not done with his supernatural vehicle that he chooses to bring hope to the world, and that is his church. So I would ask those of you joining us at home, or if, you, if you're traveling, I, I understand all that, but, but start watching for the peak. Start watching for the, for the, for the stuff to come down. Um, and it's not just that we want more people in the seats, but we aren't whole without you. And it would be really good for us to be together again. So we understand, and at the same time, just keep an eye out because we can get so used to how it's been the last couple of years that we forget how God wants it. So 
That being said, let me pray, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about a guy who has had a huge impact on my life, and some of the things you hear from me most often came from when I was indeed a young man, um, 25, 26 years old. There's a man that had a, an impact on me with just a few things that he said and, and the way he behaved that I think fits very, very well in this passage. So let's pray together. Almighty God, we bless you, praise you for who you are, for what you do in us, for us, and some of what we'll be talking about today, Lord, is what you do through us. I pray that you give me your words to speak to your people. This is not my message for them. It's your message for us. And give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. And Lord, if there's something I plan to say that you don't want me to say, I don't want to say it. Convict me of it. I don't want to be in sin, but don't let me speak something false to your people. But if there's something you want said that I haven't thought of in prayer and study, Make it burn within me so that I know it's from you and I will share it with your people today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. So I'm going to use his name. Um, I've used his name before talking about this, and uh, I, I don't know how else to, to put it. I don't, I'm not trying to give him too many accolades. Some of you might know him, but a friend of mine, John Marcus, um, when, when I was a youth pastor, he was one of my youth leaders, and uh, we played golf together on occasion, mainly out at Winding Creek. Uh, my job was to make him feel good about his game. Um, and, and there were a couple times when, when he, he got kind of hot when he was talking to me, but, but the, the, times that, the times that I watched him struggle were just incredible to me. So you've heard a term from me quite often, and it's become part of our common language here. That is not my, those are not my words, they're John Marcus's words. And that is to remember whose you are. I'm going to tell you where that comes from. When he was in college, uh, he'd, 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 he'd gone to Christian school. He'd gone off to Calvin College. When he was in college, he had a friend of his that was a believer. And they'd been out uh, hanging out with other young people. <clears throat> and after the party or the whatever, wherever they were was done, he and a buddy uh, who had met a young, they'd both met a young lady. And they'd gone over to her where she was staying, dorm room or, or, or apartment, I don't remember. Um, but it came time for John to leave, and he kept hinting to his buddy, look, you, you, should, you should leave, because this doesn't necessarily look good. And Buddy didn't get the hint, I guess, but as John was walking out, his buddy came up to shake his hand, and John just looked at him in the eye and said this. Looked at, he he kind of pointed around at the apartment. Just remember whose you are. I'd never heard a term like that before. It seems like grammatically off but that's a, there's a beautiful thing there. Remember whose you are. Remember who you represent. Remember the change in the old is gone, the new has come. And, and there was an encouragement in that to when nobody's looking, you still belong to God. There's an old, old preaching illustration. I used it last week over at Gospel Community. And that's a, a six or seven-year-old kid driving home with his dad, he's in the back seat, and he'd been to Sunday school, and the dad always wants to know what he, what he, what he learned in Sunday school. And, and he says, uh, he goes, so what'd you, what'd you learn today? He goes, well, the teacher said that God is bigger than the whole universe. Well, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's quite a concept for a six or seven-year-old. He goes, well, what else did you learn? He said that Jesus lives in my heart. Well, yeah. 
But he seemed kind of confused. The kid's kind of looking off out of the window of the back seat. And he goes, well, it seems like you're confused. What's going on? He goes, well, if God's bigger than the whole universe and he lives inside of me, shouldn't he show through? Think about it for a minute. Yeah, he should. It should be quite evident who we are because of whose we are. One more story about John Marcus. When I learned, I'm going to, my, my, my dad is gone, you guys know that. He was not, when I was growing up, he was not the most integrous man. Made a lot of promises, didn't often come through. Um, that kind of hurt him in, in, when his business went bad and he, he ended up bankrupt. He changed significantly over the last three decades of his life. But so I grew up not knowing really what it means to, be, to have integrity. And when I got it, it was again because of John Marcus. He, 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 he had done well for himself early on, and he had a very good friend of his that owned a used car lot, and his used car lot inventory was low, and the guy didn't have the money to buy inventory. So he asked John if he would co-sign a loan, and he did. And then that friend, marriage fell apart, he picked up and he moved to South Carolina, leaving John with a $100,000 debt. And we were sitting and talking over lunch, and he said, uh, he goes, yeah, it burns me up that my friend did that, but I signed my name. I signed my name to those papers. I'm responsible for the debt. And he spent the next decade paying it off. And that just blew me away, because he, 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 there, there had to be a way that he could have finagled his way out of it, even if it hurt his credit, but he didn't, because his yes is yes, because of whose he is. Now, keep that idea in mind when you hear some of these things that Jesus says in, in the Sermon on the Mount. We don't, have, we don't have enough weeks to go through every pericope, every section of the Sermon on the Mount, and you're familiar with it already. In Matthew 5, you have the blessed are, the blessed are, the blessed are's, and then you have that Jesus tells us that we're salt and we are the salt and light, uh, that, that he came to fulfill every jot and tittle of the law. And then there's these, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, but I say to you, You've heard that I said to the people long ago, do not do murder. But I say to you, if you call your brother a fool, you've committed murder in your heart. He says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, any man, I'm, I'm, I'm skipping down, but any man who, who lusts after another man's wife has committed adultery in his heart. And then he has um, this section. It says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of a great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You've probably heard, you've had lots of really good pastors over the course of this, the history of this church. I'm sure that you've heard this, but just in case you haven't, just a couple of little nuggets about that. It was, that there, there's these rabbinic rules, uh, rabbis had, and in all their debate, there were these rules that had, been, that had been put together in a book that said, you know, if you do this, you're responsible, but if you do this, you might not be. So um, you, you hear Jesus on, on occasion, and even Paul on occasion, talks about people, you, you, make a, you make a promise to the Lord so you get out of your responsibility to take care of your parents. 
right here. He says, don't, he, he says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not, do not swear an oath and only keep, the, or keep all your oaths that you've made to the Lord. Well, here's what people would do. It's kind of like when I was a kid, it's like cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, right? It, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really mean that I'm going to do this. Or I swear on my mother's life or I swear on my mother's grave. It's kind of a way of saying, look, I might not be trustworthy, but this time I am. People were doing this all the time, um, and they considered it to be righteous, that if you swore in the name of God that you would do something, those were the only ones you actually had to keep. Those are the only promises you actually had to keep. But if you swore by heaven, which is less than God, or you swore by the earth, or you swore by a city, or you swore by a family member or something like that, you had an out. And Jesus is saying to his people, those who are whose they are, that that is absolutely unequivocally, no, you don't, we don't get to do that. Everyone else gets to do that. And you'll see this a little bit later with the eye for an eye piece. Um, everyone else gets to do that, but not his people. See, this whole Sermon on the Mount, this, this thing that we, that we read and it sounds sweet and, and nice, it, and there are some wonderful things said in it, but there's also some calls to truth and change and discipleship and faithfulness. He is the beginning of his ministry, according to Matthew, or in, in, in Matthew, and, and he's, he's got his disciples. They've been following him around for a while, and this larger ga gathering of people coming along, and this is his way of saying, I want you to count the cost, because if you're going to follow me, you must become someone new. Who here has never been disappointed by someone who says they'll do something and they don't do it? I had a really good friend in high school, not going to use his name, um, who just ran perpetually late. And because I grew up hearing that if you're 15 minutes early, you're five minutes late, I'm the guy that'll go, if I'm doing a wedding in Grand Rapids, I will go there and I will drive around the block of the church for half an hour. Because if something goes wrong, or if their train comes or something like that, I don't want to be cutting.